When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Football Theory. I am Lifetime Longhorn Rod Davis, joined by, oh, he is a great football coach, all right, at the high school level, all right, in many different places, uh, Burnett, Capel, Brownwood, Belton, I always mess this up, Rotan? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm glad I got it right. I've been messing that up for a while. Uh, but he also uh, coached at the college level, too. Remember, uh, several stints here at the University of Texas uh, as a oh, – you're on the staff as a consultant or an analyst? What was it? Coach? Well, with Mac, with Mac, I was an analyst, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. and then with Tom, with Tom was uh, uh, director of high school relations. Yes, mm-hmm. sir. All right. See, I, you know what? I'm going to make sure I get that right next time, too. <laughs> Coach got extensive resume, so sometimes I get it mixed up. He also played football at Abilene Christian and coached there as well. Uh, and now you can find some of his uh, his work away from the football field at ShipleyRanches.com. Uh, it's Coach Bob Shipley. What's going on, Coach? How you doing? Oh, man, doing good. Just enjoying this uh, nice evening before that uh, Blue Northern rolls in here. <laughs> it's the last one. It's the last yeah. day of really good weather. La- for, that's I'm, right. It's supposed to last for about a week or more. It's going to be bad. It's going to be real cold. Yeah, as long as we don't get the freezing rain, I think we'll be all right. But, yeah, man, I'm not used to that. I, I lived in Detroit for a while, so I can handle it. Detroit, yeah, yeah, this nothing to you. You'll <laughs> yeah. oh, be wearing different. short sleeves this weekend. Yeah, man. That's a, different, <laughs> that's a different kind of cold out there. Playing in the NFC North and having to play in Green Bay, and play at Chicago uh, Soldier Field. Like, those are different kinds of cold, man, having to play outside. I never got used to it. I'm not going to lie. I never got used to it. Never played long enough to get used to it, to be told. Yeah, be I hear you. <laughs> uh, all right, Coach. We got several topics we're going to dive into today. I want to get your thoughts about Quinn Ewers. The announcement is official. Quinn Ewers is coming back. I mean, we I think everybody felt that was going to be the case, that Quinn Ewers would be coming back to the University of Texas as their starting quarterback. But now it's official. We did announce it via social media. Uh, I want to get your thoughts also about all the guys and uh, the announcements uh, these days, announcing either way, uh, back and forth. I, when I was coming out, I mean, I mean, I don't think Rod B was you know, had to make a declaration either way whether I was going to the NFL or not. I don't know if I was that good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's like now everybody has to, you know, you because of the transfer portal and because, uh, you know, everybody leaving to go to the NFL, potentially more and more underclassmen, the guys have to make it known. They have to make it known and declare whether they're going or they're staying. What are your thoughts about that? It seems like that's definitely a new thing because you do it on social media. It do it with video yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, is it is this something you think that you know you'd been into as a coach from the from either level, the high school side or the college side? Nothing you can do about it. But I don't like thought? it. <laughs> I don't. I don't like these big productions. You know, just <laughs> yeah. Everybody has to do one though. It's like a music and everything. It's, yeah. Never, yeah. Yeah. I know. I most. I figure most coaches are into it, but hey, the players. Whatever, hey, whatever floats your boat, you know what I mean? And I said, honestly, if social media was around when I was a player coach, I probably would have been into it too. So I can't judge Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's where we live in. But, man, you're talking about videos. <laughs> and some of them are a little cheesy. But, man, how about Jay Witt? How about – I nice mean, Jay Witt's not announcing anything. Jay Witt's just saying thank and, you. 
Yes. Thank you. That's a great point. You know, that's true. That's true. You're right. Jalen Ford did one too. Jalen Ford, you see Jalen Ford? Yeah. 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 That was sentimental. That was pretty good. You're right. I like the the, the farewell videos. Those are really good. The uh declaring whether you gotta yeah, whether you're going to stay in. I do understand. But Quinn Ewers, uh, he had to do it because he's a starting quarterback at Texas. He had no sure. choice. So we'll get into that and talk about sure. it. We'll also get into the Bo Davis news. I know a lot of people are disappointed that Bo Davis is uh leaving. He's uh he's departing uh for the uh, for his alma mater LSU. Uh, going back to Cajun country. Uh, so we'll talk about it. Coach, I think you got some really uh, great insight and perspective on this because uh, some of the, I would say, prime candidates to replace Bo Davis, I, I you that you know personally and you've actually worked with personally. And I want to get your thoughts about these guys uh, and also talk about some of the other possible replacements for Bo Davis. We know Sark's going to do a great job. He's done a great job hiring since he's been on the 40 acres. No reason to think that he's not going to uh, make a sound hire here, but replacing Bo Davis, uh, that is a, uh, that that's a tough task because he was definitely one of the best defensive line coaches in the country. And I want to get your thoughts before we get done on Nick Saban as well, retiring officially. It seemed like the last 24 hours or so, Man, Nick Saban retiring, Bill Belichick uh, parting ways with the Patriots, Pete Carroll uh, with the Seahawks. I mean, if you're just a coach, I mean, how can you not be affected uh, <laughs> in this time? And I would, it was a great day to talk to a coach. Yeah. Because I want to get your thoughts about these gentlemen and their uh, their legacy, because you're talking about the goats of their specific level of football. Um, and it's really, really intriguing. So we'll get Anderson connection to Sark because Sark talks about two of his mentors, uh, Nick Saban and, of course, sure. uh, Pete Carroll involved in that. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but first, let's give a little props to our sponsor. Football Theory is brought to you by uh, the accomplished Austin realtor, Laura Baker. Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Give her a shout at 512-784-0505. That's five. 5- Point two seven eight four zero five zero five. So thank you uh, to Laura Baker uh, and the Andy Allen team over at Keller Williams. All right, coach, let's get started. Let's start with Quinn Ewers and his decision to come back to school. Uh, we all we thought that would be the case, but he made it official via social media today. Um, what are your thoughts about? And I looked at the Heisman odds, by the way. The Heisman odds have him tied with Jalen Milrow, I believe, with the uh, best Heisman odds right now um, going into twenty twenty four. Uh, what are your thoughts about Quinn Ewers coming back to school? And uh, do you think it was the right decision for him? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was the right decision. And and I think most of us expected it, even though um, 
you know, there's always that possibility. You never know for sure what a guy's thinking, you know, his, his uh, top four uh, production in the passing game receiving wise are gone, you know? And so uh, it's a little bit of a gamble. It's a little bit of a risk, but at the level that UT is recruiting right now, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's that, that uh, far fetched and, he knows he's got to continue to develop and he's got to continue to grow. But I'm so I'm so impressed with the progress he made from the 22 season to this season. Uh, he just really just seems so much more comfortable and mature and a great leader and part of that culture. I think uh, he strikes me as being a a silent guy. I haven't been around mm-hmm. Quinn since we were recruiting him, and he started coming up when he was like 15 or 16 years old. You know. And he, he was, it was hard to get him to say a word back then, but still he's one of the, he's one of those guys. He's a little bit, you know, like Colt, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even Vince, you know, he's not a guy that's going to, you know, be brash and, and all that. He, he's more of a kind of follow me type guy. And uh, he's not going to be, you know, banging the drums real loud, trying to bring attention to himself. But uh, you know, I think his work speaks for itself and, and that's good and bad, mostly good, obviously. Yeah. But for the NFL, I just don't know that he's quite quite there yet. And I think he will, you know, obviously have a, have a chance to have a long and storied career. But uh, another year under Sark and, uh, you know, in this program and this team will just further solidify him and his legacy at the university. And and I'm going to tell you, you know this too, Rod. That's a big deal. I it mean, is. you, you can um, – and, and personally, I mean, you have your own story, but, you know, I know uh, for, for Jordan, uh, you know, and him to be able to ha- have a good career at UT and um, have some success on the field, uh, it won't do anything but solidify you for the rest of your life because, you know, I always taught my kids and kids that I coached and recruited, when you're through with football, you're stuck with who you are, you know, mm-hmm. and and so – the fact that he has been loyal to the university and not that it would be not that it's disloyal to leave early, but just solidifies himself with the let with the alumni, not only the letterman, but the alumni and the donors and just the whole Longhorn nation will, I think, uh, go a long way to serve him the rest of his life, no matter you know what he tried. I know that the success that Jordan, Jordan's a great realist realtor. He's a great broker. He's a great land guy. He knows so much about the business and, He's, uh, but uh, a ton of his success comes from his time at the university, you know, yeah. and the name that the university allowed him to make for himself, hmm. you know, and you have the University of Texas, as you know, the largest living alumni in terms of numbers in the country. And so that's huge. And and so I, I do think that, that Quinn will solidify himself, uh, and his name and his legacy at the university by coming back, uh, you know, riding this momentum into another year and not just have a flash in the pan. One year, I'm gone. Good luck. Y'all start over, you know. And, and then, of course, there's the Arch Manning side of it. And people are all worried. Well, one of them, you know, somebody's going to be the transfer portal. Look, man, Arch Manning didn't just fall off the turnip wagon, you know. He, he, he knows and his family knows that to be successful at the level – that he expects to be successful at, you've got, you've got to, you got to be patient and you've got to continue to grow and continue to learn. And this will just help him in the long run. I know he would probably love to, you know, to be the guy next year. We all saw what happened 
you know, what, 22? Well, you know, in, when you have injuries from quarterbacks, you know, you can be thrust into the limelight in a heartbeat, you know, and obviously yep. he'll be ready for that. But but I think uh, – I don't think it affects him, and I think he would probably love to be the guy next year. But another year is not going to do anything but just just get him more mature and more ready to, to take over the reins whenever Quinn does leave. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that too. I, and I, I think for Quinn, it's important. I, I want to see him make it. It's tough because it doesn't happen a lot. We've seen in the NFL a lot of backup quarterbacks have to play, third string quarterbacks have to play because quarterbacks, they get injured. Uh, if he can make it through an entire season, um, I'd love to see in his third season as a seasoned quarterback uh, in this system under Sark. It would be, like you said, more of a challenge because it'd be new weapons, right? Uh, he doesn't have chemistry with these new guys. Uh, they don't have a lot of experience, so there will be some growing pains. Uh, and I love the way my man C.J. Vogel put this. You know, for uh, Quinn's first two years on the 40 acres, the talent's been lifting him up um, pretty much because you got you have great talent around you. J.T. Sanders, you got X-Man, you got, you know, Jay Witt. Uh, that's, that's a lot of really good help. B. John Robinson for that, Rojo. Right. That's a lot of NFL-caliber talent at the skill positions. Um, and now it's going to be more about Quinn – uplifting that talent and that's we put that on quarterbacks it's probably unfair but we put that on quarterbacks hey man you got to make guys about around you better you got to make them make those guys yeah. around you better uh you need to expedite their development so this offseason is going to be big for coin you don't have chemistry with the receivers you don't have continuity you're the guy who literally has the keys to the facility you're going to be setting the work the workouts you know the team workouts away from the coaches uh the team organized workouts that's going to be on you and the young receivers to get, you know, the throwing sessions in uh, to figure out the guys that need more work and what they need to work on. Like Quinn's going to have to actually take on that role. That's a big role. I watched Chris Sims take on that role. I watched, you know, Major Applewhite in that role. I watched some really good quarterbacks in that role. And, you know, you just talked about, uh, you know, Cole McCoy and some of those other guys and Vince Young. It's always the famous story about Vince Young writing on the the dry eraser board <laughs> before that uh, that great for that that 2005 season that national title season in the off season right if you want to beat Ohio State you know meet me out on the field let's go there when the team is yours and I don't even know if the team has been Quinn I don't know if it's been his team um, I don't know if it was when Bijan and Rojo that was kind of Bijan and Rojo so I mean, now even this year I'm not sure he he was taking ownership of it. He's at a natural leadership position, can't be ignored. But this year, this is his team. There's no doubt. You're the guy. You're the guy. All right? It's you. Anybody looking at JT Sanders or talking about X-Men or talking about A.D. Mitchell, everybody's going to be talking about Quinn. And this team is going to go where Quinn goes. That's a, you. Right. I think NFL scouts want to see that, him in that role. I want to see him in that role. I think he's going to flourish in it. And, you know, you can't help at times have to hold your teammates accountable in a vocal manner, even if that's not you know, something that's you're comfortable with, the, the situation is going to call for it. So leadership is confrontational. I know he's not that kind of player, but I can't wait to see him, like I said, in the role of ownership of the team and having to uplift the play of the others of others around him. And I, I think it helps him. He's got an offensive line that's going to return four of the five starters, and he's got a lot of talent there too. So that's going to be the, to me, the story about how he performs in that role, coaching. He's a top, he, this season he performed as a top 10 power five quarterback. And pretty much all the major stats this season, we're expecting him to be a top five power five quarterback, if not Certainly, higher. And if he yeah. is, he'll be a Heisman. He'll be in the Heisman conversation. If he is, yeah. Texas will be in the championship conversation. Yeah. He's got so much uh, riding on this next season that it's going to be fun to see 
Um, and obviously, he's not afraid of hard work. Uh, it's going to take a lot of time this offseason, as you have already have already noted, uh, spending time with those new receivers and the inexperienced guys to get them uh, to the level that he wants them to be at when we kick off next fall. You know, uh, and and obviously, you know he he's got a really good grasp of this offense, and so you take a young, you know, two seasons ago. Uh, you know, you you couldn't say that you could trust the quarterbacks to go out with the receivers, and and this is what Coach Sark is thinking. This is this is what we want to do out of this, um, you know, out, out of this uh, scheme or whatever. Well, he knows it now. He knows mm -hmm. it like the back of his hand. Yeah. And and I'm sure uh, the offense, as it always does, will continue to evolve. You know, it's all evolution anyway, but. Um, I know that Sark will have him coached up on the things, you know, there's the coaches have a limited time they could spend, as you well know, with, with those guys on the field, you know, and what happens from now until April is going to be huge in the development of, of our passing game and the weapons that he has. And, and Quinn knows he, he's, you know, he's going to be as good as his receivers produce for him on the field and for the team. And, um, that's that's what's that's what's so fun, and you know this because y'all had all those. I remember coming up and what y'all would y'all would play whoever. I mean, Texas State would come up and play seven on seven. Get you know just yep. whoever whoever you that. could get to come up. You know, <laughs> there was even rumors of meeting A and M somewhere. You know, like at Rockdale or something, <laughs> playing seven on seven out. I, I I know that was I know that that got yeah. shot down the last day because I I was. Wow. I was sitting around watching, listening to that, and they were going to meet, I think, in Rockdale and have a little <laughs> seven on seven. And I thought, man, how would you like to be a little kid riding your bike along? You know, all of a sudden, you go, ah, man, that that looks like Vince Young out there. You know, <laughs> and next thing you know, you got you know whatever Roy Williams, all these guys, whoever you know, <laughs> these guys out there, and good. all the dudes from A and M, and they're, yeah. they're they're playing a they're playing a touch game out there on the Tiger Stadium at Rockdale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been cool. But anyway, so it's a lot of time. My point is a lot of time out there with the guys one-on-one -on -one with no coaches around. Mm -hmm. So that development will be critical. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I remember we, I was there when we was going against Texas State, and it, it got heated out there, man. It trust me. Uh, there, there, no there is no authority figure around. No. It's all player-led no. and player no. It's, oh yeah, uh, it, yeah. Hey, you know, trust me. Trying to call your own pass interference calls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Really heated. I told you. I remember those sessions, coach. But you're right. It was all about getting better. It was all about getting better. Uh, one other thing, specifically for for Quinn, what do you think he needs to work on? What's the kind of the major uh, part of his game? We're talking about him as a leader, and I think he will shine there. Um, but, you know, what part of his game does he work on? Because usually, I mean, this is when quarterbacks take a leap, right? You're a multi-year starter at Texas, and that didn't happen a lot. I mean, Sam Ellinger did it as a multi-year starter. Um, and I think he took a leap as a quarterback, but the team didn't take a leap. But you go back to Vince Young, you go back to, uh, you know, uh, Chris Sims, Colt McCoy. You know, when you get a multi-year starter, usually the team is going to win close. To, they're going to be a double-digit win team most of the time here in Texas. And the quarterback takes a leap where he truly uh, his draft stock it, it increases as well. Um, what do you, what what would you say as a coach that he needs to work on physically? Well, you know that's hard to say. I, I'm not necessarily a quarterback guru, but mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's some obvious things, and I know he, he's gonna have he's gonna have to 
push himself out of his comfort zone. And as you were saying, be more of a vocal leader, you know, be more of um, a guy that, you know, uh, Ellinger was, was such a great leader. I mean, I, w- was. I was with Sam four years, you know, and he was just, I mean, he was like, Hey, w- w- we're going to run through this fire. I'm going first. You guys come with me, you know, and grab him by the Jersey. If you had a nap of the neck and you know, we're going, let's go and run through it. And, you know, he got, we got all out of him. We could get, I mean, he was not, not incredibly, not the most talented guy out there, but was an incredible leader and yeah. tough, yeah. you know? And so, that's not necessarily who Quinn is, but I'd like to see him push himself in those areas out of his comfort zone, as you were saying, uh, because, you know, the guy, you know, leaves high school after his junior year and shows up at Ohio State. I mean, you from right there, you're almost oppressed to the fact that nobody wants to hear what you have to say because you're 17 years old. You should still be in high school, you know, and then. You know, and then coming into Texas and, you know, having the reins, you know, really what what, you know, what would be his freshman year, I guess. And um, so that's not really who he is. And that's not how he's been, what he's done. I think I think the difference is Sam had that in his personality. That's who he was day one. And I, I'd like to see him push a little bit more in that area. You know, I don't know how many things he needs, you know, what does he need to we weren't good in the red zone. How much of that is on Quinn? I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, you keep going back to the last game and all the balls he had batted down, you know, and, yeah. and, and maybe, you know, kind of they, you talk about, you know, as a quarterback, you know, you have your high beams and your low beams, you know, and sometimes you get so focused on one, you can't see, um, you know, a guy directly in the path that can knock the pass down, you know, just little nuances like that. Um, you know, I, I think we'll go a long way to to help him. Personally, I'd like to see a little more velocity. Uh, you know, sometimes there there may be a little too much touch on some passes, but uh, you know, that's that's just me watching on the TV or in the stands. It's not, you know, I, they know a whole lot more about it than I do. But it yeah. was just, you know, when you see Michael Penix throwing those dimes, and then yeah, you know, Quinn, you know, just and that's not Quinn. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that throwing style, you know, but those are just some things off the top of my head. I think, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see a little growth in those areas, but who am I? I, I was a, I was a dumb old rockhead fullback. You know, if I ever broke through the line, I will not go out and run anybody. I just looked for the nearest DB and ran over it because it was going to happen. Let's just get it on right now. So hey. I'm an old rockhead, but anyway, those are just my thoughts. No, no, coach. Hey, hey, trust me. Your your football your football knowledge greatly appreciated, coach. Trust me, you got, <laughs> you got decades of it. Well, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd like I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. What What do you think? I do I do think when because with Sark's offense, you know, Quinn is mostly a first read um, kind of wide window thrower, and that's great because Sark's offense is built on pretty much throwing to the first read. Um, when he gets deeper into his progressions, uh, there are times I think. Quinn uh, maybe gets a little erratic. Um, and I think that's why he kind of keeps going to the dump off later on in the season because he doesn't want to get deeper into the progressions. I'd like to see him go through the progressions and down and keep his eyes downfield, uh, maneuver in the pocket, still maintaining some pocket presence, um, being able to feel the pressure, but not being not seeing the pressure, not looking at the pressure. I think there are times where he looks right at the pressure. And yeah. I think that's why he doesn't get deep into the progressions because he's looking at the pressure 
Uh, they're the great quarterbacks. They understand where the pressures will be coming from because of the pre-snap, because of the look, and because of the pre- protection of where it's set. So they know where the pressure is going to be coming from, and they know where to move in the pocket. We saw that from Penix versus Texas, right? I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Exactly. That's that. I mean, he he was all, but he was aware. Downfield. He, he, he was aware of his low beams, but his high beams were always downfield. Yeah. And I think that just comes with, with experience. Exactly. I guess that, that's, and he's, these, if it wasn't for a deep quarterback draft, he probably would have been the first round pick even this year. Um, but I'm, we're talking about him being elite, cons, being considered to be one overall. That's his potential. That's he was rated one of the top quarterbacks in the history of recruiting. That's what we're talking about. But we're not. I'm, we're not criticizing Quinn Dog and Quinn. Quinn was fantastic. Oh no, no. He, he he'll was, be he one of the back. greatest ever yeah. to ever suit was, up. Hey, uh, mo- exactly. We're just talking about him taking the, the leap to the next. Level. Listen, they got a mess. The yeah. best Heisman odds. All right, right now for 2024, that would say that they have him in the conversation to be the best player in the country. To be the best player in the country, there has to be a leap. He's going to have, that's got to be a leap from, from year two to year three. And I think he's got it in him. And I think uh, we'll see that, but I do too. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of, uh, there's a, there's a lot of unproven commodities around them in the skill positions. All right, coach. I want to get your thoughts about Bo Davis leaving. Uh, Bo Davis is um, now uh, officially the reports are heading to LSU and nothing wrong with that. That's his alma mater, by the way. So there's uh, always kind of a, a loyalty <laughs> uh, to your alma mater. And I I understand that because I love the University of Texas like that too. It also, you know, his uh, there is reports I believe from uh, Chip Brown and also from Kirk Bowles that he's got a son that plays football in south southeastern Louisiana, and that it's possible he may want to coach his son. That that could be one of the motivations as well, and maybe that's an easier uh, situation. Uh, for them to uh, potentially, you know, uh, achieve or something that they could actually uh, get done and accomplish at LSU, and maybe they couldn't do it at Texas. I'm not sure, but that's the some of those the reports that are out there. Either way, and of course, they offer big money. Big money is a big part of it, a huge factor. Yeah. <laughs> Can't say it's not. The reports are uh, between 1.3 million, something like that. Um, so who knows how much he's getting paid? But it, I'm sure that. Texas could have offered or would have offered or did offer as much as LSU. But if LSU offered a little bit more than Texas and with the emotional connection uh, that he has, personal connection with LSU, you know, I understand why he would make that decision. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Coach, on uh, Bo Davis. You probably have – I mean, you've been around the University of Texas a long time. Um, I don't know how well you know Coach Davis uh, or not, uh, but – uh, your thoughts on the departure of the defensive line coach? Well, I have an incredible uh, amount of respect and admiration for him having worked with him, uh, at, you know, every day uh, for a while. And he's um, he he has a way of relating to his players that uh, you you just don't see. And when I see how hard he pushes his players. Uh, in ways that if mama was around, she might not be real happy with, <laughs> you know, but I promise you, those guys would take a bullet for, for Bo. They would because he he spends time and develops relationships with those guys. And and so when you do that and you create that culture in that room, you can coach them hard. And he coaches them as hard as anybody I've ever seen. Seriously, I mean, stories I can't tell, you know. I can't tell in public, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I go, man. 
we're going to get a phone call tonight. You know, <laughs> no, nah. those guys are, they're chopping it up with him after practice and laughing. And I mean, you know, he's just, he just has that way with guys. So I, it's a huge loss, but I'll also say, and if you, if you kept up with his career, it's kind of his MO, you know, I mean, he, he'll stay three or four years, maybe three. And then, you know, he's, okay. he's been to Alabama twice, I think, and Texas twice and, LSU, this is the second time, I think, at LSU. Uh, you know, it's kind of his MO, but he always <laughs> – it's not like he's uh, going, you know, to bad jobs. He's going to great jobs. And he always has results, you know. So uh, it, it's it's certainly a loss, not so much his recruiting. Uh, I think he is – I think he's a good recruiter. Maybe not elite, but he's good. But his development is is just amazing, you know. Um, so that's, that's, that's my thoughts on, on both the things that I could tell you about, but I tell you, I got nothing but respect and love for that guy, man. He's, he's, uh, he is who he is. I mean, everybody else is wearing these, you know, nice little, you know, um, stuff on the sidelines, both wearing his little sweat, you know, he don't, he doesn't yeah. care. Yeah. He, he doesn't care. He always, always wore That's who he is, you know, right but, about that. The, the fact that you have the coaches trying to hire him and the coaches that he's worked for in the past are the best of the best. And so um, I wish him the best of luck. I hate to see him go, but there's some good candidates out there. You know, there really is. Some of them I have a history with, so I'm I'm kind of pulling for those guys just because uh, – well, let me tell you my thoughts on it. I, I, I When I when I went back to my hometown and burn it and coach Jordan there um, – I had only had two years head coaching experience, and that was a little old class A school called Rotan. We were the Yellow Hammers, which is a really pissed off woodpecker, really. Uh, that's 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 really what a Yellow Hammer is, it's a woodpecker. Uh, and so I got the job and burned it in the way, one of the ways that I got it. They didn't know for sure how good Jordan was going to be. He was just, he'd just been a freshman. But um, I told them that, you know, they can't hire anybody that wants to come in and see us succeed my alma mater, that's where I grew up and went to school. And so you bring a guy back in that's put sweat and blood and time into a program yeah. uh, as a player, then uh, you'll have a hard time finding somebody that will that would give more than one of those guys will because it means more. It means more because they got a reputation, you know, yeah. at this university. And the university helped them be who they are. And of course, talking about you know Oscar Giles and Frank Ocam and and Rod Wright, those are three of the names we hear. Of course, along with Freddie Roach from from Alabama, and I don't know Coach Roach, but I know those those three guys. Uh, I know Frank. I never worked with Frank. I spent some time with Frank, and uh, when he was at Baylor, <coughs> and then uh, Rod Wright and I worked together. <coughs> excuse me, in the 2013 season with Mac Brown. And uh, I owe that dude a lot, man. He took I, – I had never coached defensive line or played defensive mm -hmm. line, and he took me under his wing and showed me uh, everything. Uh, he was coaching me, you know, just just helping me and just very wow. patient and and uh, the his knowledge and, and his personality is would make him a, a great fit, I think. Uh, my, the most experience I have with those guys is Oscar Giles. Mm -hmm. And uh, – you know, you, you go back and you look at at uh, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon, Vernon Broughton. Oscar, 
Oscar recruited all those guys. He signed all those guys, uh, as well as a couple of others that have re recently gone to the NFL. Uh, he's a great recruiter. And I think it's easier for a guy who has played for a university to come in and recruit for that university because he could tell personal stories about what this university has done, not only for himself, but for other teammates and uh, classmates and things like that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I get the sense maybe, you know, reading some stuff that maybe, uh, Oscar, uh, some people are kind of wanting someone new to come in, but, but I'm telling you, Oscar is a grinder, man. He's, he's, he's as good as they come. If you ask me and he's a great recruiter and he's, he's the reason in my mind that Bo was able to develop these guys. Uh, he couldn't develop them if they weren't there. And yeah. so Anyway, that's that's my thoughts. I, I don't know, I don't know what he'll do, but uh, I love I love Rod, uh, I love Oscar. I think either one of those guys, and Frank Frank too. I I think Oscar may be a little bit more outgoing than those other two guys. Uh, they're a, a quiet, deeper thinker type guys. Oscar's, uh, you know, just yeah, just you know, Oscar just who he is, you know, and I and yeah. I love that about I love that about Oscar. Yeah, I've known Oscar Giles for a long time. And he is. He's a, he's a he's a great guy, but also uh out very outgoing personality. Very and that makes him a great recruiter. You just pointed out. I mean, and he's been at Texas in multiple stints, right? He was on the staff with Coach Brown, on the staff with Coach Herman most recently, and as coach mentioned, recruited all those guys. So you've seen his recruiting resume, and then you go look at his first stint with Texas. I mean, you're talking about developing guys like you know Alex Okafer and um, you know. Charles Amenahu and uh, you know Brian Arakpo and Sergio. I mean Tim Crowder. Oh, yeah. I mean it's yeah. So the, the development is there as well, and you played him this year actually because uh, he's the Wyoming. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. right. Yeah. Uh, so I I think Oscar Giles would be a great uh, a great hire. Um, I'm with you on the Frank Ocam. He's with Toledo right now <clears throat> as their right. defensive line coach. So he's a young fast riser in the coaching community. So if you want to go really young, you can go with Frank Ocam. Rod Wright has already ascended to the NFL first year with the Texans. For those who don't know, he's the assistant D-line coach for, for them Texans. Uh, so uh, that's – he's right now, whether he wants to come back to college or wants to stay on the NFL track, I guess would be the concern. But I like <clears throat> a Rod Wright. And he's recruited. Remember, he was at UTSA. That's right. So he's got history recruiting the state of Texas sure. specifically. Yeah. That could be a bit of, um, I think, an advantage. And a name that's been brought up, some people bring it up, Ed Orgeron. Is uh, I know he's got some baggage, but man, we know the man can recruit, and we know he, he, we know he can he recruit. can recruit. I, I can't understand hardly anything he says, but he can recruit. <laughs> it don't matter if you and I can understand. It matters if those mamas and those kids can understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so I, I know he's got a little baggage, and I know he's got yeah. Some people say he's eccentric, um, but I you know hey, I, I love that. Him. I mean, I, I, if he's an assistant coach, I, I'm I'm good with that. I mean. Yeah, you he's know, D-line coach, you know, but he may not want to. I don't know if he wants to take that. He's got, you know, he following being from the head coach at the LSU, maybe he doesn't want to be an assistant anymore. I get that. But just, hey, just as a candidate, he's out there. Uh, and you mentioned Freddie Roach. Freddie Roach is the Alabama defensive line coach. And because Nick Saban's a topic we'll discuss here before we get out of here, Nick Saban retiring officially, uh, a lot of people believe maybe you can persuade Freddie Roach to leave Alabama. And we know that if you're a coach at Alabama, you've already been vetted by Saban, so you're good. I mean, that's – No doubt. There's no Davis. doubt. I believe Bo Davis – didn't he start out with Saban? 
Yeah, I believe so at LSU. Yeah, I believe he so. Started, he started out early with, with Saban, right? Early on. So, hey, there you go. I mean, <laughs> uh, small world, as you know, coaching the coaching community. <laughs> uh, speaking yeah, of, yeah. Let's let's talk about um, Nick Saban here, because I, uh, I mean, I, you're a coach, and I, I played college football, played the NFL. When you get Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and Pete Carroll all <laughs> either retiring or parting ways with their team within a 24 to 36 hour uh, window, that is, it's 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 jarring. I don't know. It feels like the end of an era. <laughs> I feel like it's worth no discussing on every football show, coach, and. Um, that's why I mean it's a great day to talk to a football coach. I don't know how many times you've crossed paths with Nick Saban because I know you coached for a long time, or Bill Belichick, or Pete Carroll. I know that like the coach community is small. Uh, first of all, your thoughts in general on these guys, and have you ever crossed paths with any of those goats in the coaching? Well, I, actually, I, actually, I've, I've met Saban. Uh, not, I don't have an extensive relationship with him at all, but. Uh, you know, I, I think we talked about maybe last week, uh, you yes. know, Bill Belichick came in and was uh, I was in charge of our coaching clinic in the spring. And and uh, we got Belichick to come in and uh, and be our speaker. We had about a thousand high school coaches come in for that. It was awesome. And uh, he wanted to work out some of our uh, kids that were going to be uh, going in the draft. And so uh, I got that set up with our guys and got them out on the field with him and uh, he was really, uh, and it's like we talked about then. He was a, he was exactly the same guy. I'd pick him up at the hotel, take him to the clinic, take him to the DKR to work out these guys or whatever. And he's he's, he's just the same guy. I mean, exactly like he comes across. He is who he is. He talks like he talks. He kind of mumbles a little bit, you know. And he, he just, but uh, but certainly, certainly one of the greatest, you know, that, that's ever coached in the NFL, without a doubt. The thing I love about those guys is that they they've stood the test of time and they've been successful over a long period of time. And they're not, you know, they're not job hoppers. You know, they don't move around a lot. You know, they just stayed and built uh, incredible uh, dynasty type programs. Uh, you know, Pete Carroll was always a little bit flashy. I mean, you know, remember when he was at SC and yeah. I just remember chewing, on, chewing that gum on the sidelines like, you know, Hollywood's going to take over Texas here, 2005. Y'all come on in. We'll be nice to you, but we're fixing to show you what the greatest college football team of all time looks like. And it didn't turn out that way. I thought he's a little cocky. You yeah. know, Bill Belichick, he ain't cocky. There ain't nothing cocky. And, and, and Nick Saban, if, if he is a little cocky, he certainly has every right to be, although I just think he's real. You know, I just think he's – I love those guys that, that create that – hungry culture in a place where it's so easy to, to, to feel like you're uh, you, you can spoil kids, you know, and they, they become uh, you know, pampered or whatever. And that was always the, you know, the, as you know, the talk about Mac and, and, you know, our kids had everything, you know, and all this, and they kind of were, it seemed, seemed to be entitled. And that's one of the things that, that I love about Nick Saban, you know, he's, you know, he's one of the things he said was that, you know, we want our, our our mentality with our guys is we'll eat off the floor. You know, it don't matter. We don't have to have anything fancy. We eat off the floor. We'll do whatever, you know, because we're going to stay hungry and have that chip on our shoulder. And they did. They played at a high level, you know, every every time they stepped on the field. And that's a sign of a great coach, you know, to me. Um, I, I think uh, I think Nick's probably through coaching. I can't imagine him going on. You know, he's he's got he's got some. 
nice properties in uh, northern Georgia and out in Florida on an island. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to live a good life. You know, Saban, they sound like st still wants to coach. And there's certainly some openings out there, you know. And I don't know what Pete's uh, what Pete looks like. But I think, uh, you know, as a college football coach, Nick Saban is the greatest of his generation. Mm. You know, it, things were so much different back with you know, Rodney and, you know, and, and other guys that you hear so many great things about um, from, dec from you know, gener a generation before him, certainly. And he, he probably was the best ever because the, the thing I loved about Nick was he adapted. He stayed up with the game. Yep. And he, he, he was the kind of guy who kind of did what he did. And then the SEC – uh, he had a good control over that. But then when they got against teams that were – you remember, uh, you know, SEC playing against teams that threw the ball, they struggled. You know, they struggled with tempo. They struggled struggled because they were so used to running the power game and trying to stop the power game and, and all that that he struggled. But he adapted. And um, and I, I love the fact that he lets his coaches coach. And that's, that's you know, you, you pick those guys and you turn them loose and let them do their job. and. He seems to have done that really well and just imparted such great wisdom to his players. You know, I, I love just if, if you want to kill a couple of hours, just just look up Nick Saban and hear some of his uh, wisdom and philosophy. And it's something that our country needs right now. You know, not just football, but just in general. You know, nobody don't you know, nobody nobody owes you anything. You know, you have to earn it. And who doesn't need to hear that from time to time? You know, but. Um, I think it's a it's it's a sad day for football to lose those, but it's opportunities for for other guys to come up and you know who's going to fill their shoes type of deal. Yeah, there are, of course so many connections to Nick Saban uh, with the University of Texas. Uh, whether you're talking about the beginning of their dynasty or his dynasty at Alabama, 09, as we know, and I'm trying not trying to relive painful. Uh, family memories, Coach Shipley, but yeah, yeah, it's you know, yeah, the beginning of their ascent and the beginning of Texas descent as a program, pretty much. And then we know the Nick Saban rumors about him coming to the University of Texas, uh, during the you know, the later years of Mac Brown, and then of course, a Nick Saban, uh, disciple, former assistant, mentee, uh, Steve Sarkeesian beats Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa the last year that he's coaching college football and it almost, last game he lost at Bama last, last game he game lost, he lost in Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great point coach. And essentially that, that almost feels like he exercised the demons. It feels like the, <laughs> the, the curse. You feel like the curse is lifted somehow that Steve Stankey just lifted the curse. And hopefully that is the case. Uh, let me ask you this coach. Cause um, a lot of people think that Steve Sarkeesian could be interested uh, in that position because uh, he's been listed as one of the top candidates to take that job. And when you got a blue blood, uh, blue blood job, like Alabama open, of course, I mean, all the top coaches in the country are probably going to get a call and that's probably going to be considered. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was on that short list reportedly. And uh, some Lohan fans are concerned. They're worried that maybe Steve Sarkeesian could be poached. I'm not worried. Because uh, based on multiple reports, even Joe Klatt pointed this out, Steve Sarkeesian had a chance to be, you know, the next coach in waiting or to be the heir apparent to Nick Saban. And he chose 
he that he wanted to build his own legacy, that he he didn't want to stand on the shoulders of the GOAT. I'm sure he would have been great at Alabama. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been great. He would have been great there. But part of his legacy would have been, well, they followed the GOAT, Nick Saban, and, you know, he was essentially given a silver – is a silver spoon uh, kind of situation here where he was given a huge advantage to kind of start his uh, legacy as a coach or reinvent himself as a coach. I think Sark wanted the challenge of going somewhere and starting something, building something from, uh, not from scratch, but at least building something all his own in his own image, essentially uh, as a football coach and not standing on the shoulders of Nick Saban. That's why I think there's nothing to worry about. I think that Nick said, even though even, you know, Nick Saban at one point, I'm sure was a big Sark fan and wanted him to be his successor. I think, Based on the money situation, I know Texas can match dollars, but even with Sark's kind of personal, uh, you know, personal connection to Nick, I mean, he credits Nick Saban for saving his life, for finding the the heart issue that uh, Sark had to deal with. So he's really grateful to Nick Saban, but I do think ultimately he wanted to bet on himself as a coach, and that's what he did at Texas, and it's paying off for him. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. He He could certainly handle that job. He's proven that uh, being a, if you can handle the job in Austin, Texas, you you can handle it in Tuscaloosa. Although, uh, you know, the pressure there, you know, you you don't win six national championships or whatever. You know, is your 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 second best. And I think that uh, you know Sark is well on his way to establishing himself in Daryl Royal type uh, conversations. He hasn't done that. He certainly has a potential, and uh, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head. Why, why go follow a guy like that? There's you can't top what he's done. Exactly. I mean, you you just, you just can't top it. I, I I mean, there's so much parity in college football now, especially now, you know, with the transfer portal, and you're seeing teams that, uh, you know, they hadn't won it. I don't know when the last time they won, maybe four years ago. Georgia won it twice. Is that right? And then. Washington. I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been, but still they're, they're, they're always in the top five finish in the top five. But like you said, he, he came in and got our program when it was in a very low, low point. And most of us wondering, you know, are we ever going to get it back? Are we ever going to get this thing back? You know, and he's done it. And, and I, and I know one season is not, is not back, but he's got, a great foundation. He's got a great culture that Nick Saban didn't create it. You know, nobody can say they created except, except Steve Sarkeesian. You know, he, he built this culture that we're enjoying right now. And the reason that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> so many, so many great players want to come play here because of what he's built. So to walk away from that into the shadow of Nick Saban, I, I don't think I don't think Sark is motivated by money. He's got he's got all he needs. I'm sure uh, he he wasn't he wasn't making. I mean he wasn't making near what he probably should have been making here. Uh, he's about to. Uh, I hope we don't get crazy with that. You know, and yeah. do a Jimbo Fisher kind of thing. But <laughs> I, I think he's proven he's not a Jimbo Fisher in that regard. Um, he's uh, he's just what we needed. And I can't imagine anybody else coming in and doing what Sark's, you know, been able to do. And it's just such a cool, as you were talking about, redeeming story about second chance. 
you know, and not giving up, uh, people not giving up on him, but most importantly, as you mentioned, him not giving up on himself because, uh, because people took a shot, took a chance on him. And, and it was, a, and, and we rolled the dice when we hired him too, when Texas hired him, you know, I've, I've yeah. said this before, you know, Texas is the kind of job that'll, it'll drive you to drinking. I mean, it's, it's tough. I was, on the tar I was on the tarmac when we came back in 2013 from BYU. Uh, we flew in that night. Um, and, uh, you know, that's when he let Manny Diaz go uh, on that, that tarmac outside yeah. the defensive bus. And it was just like, like, oh, he ain't messing around. This is real. You know, this is this is this is real. And it's it's a tough place. It's a tough place. But it's it, it. But I think it's the best place in the country if you can if you can get it going in the right direction, which we are right now. And so I, I know all of us are hoping that that he'll stay and, and provide some consistency and continuity in our program. And the great thing is people want to hire our coaches. You know, that hasn't always been the case, yeah. as you well know. Yeah. So uh, right about that. Yeah. So, you know, when I was around Sark, uh, you know, when he first came in, he's he's just uh, he's the same guy all the time. He's the same guy with a custodian as he is with the GAs, as he is with a alumni, letterman, whatever. He just he just uh, got a really good uh, grasp of uh, what needs to be done and how it needs to be done and that he can do it and stay within himself. And so uh, sad day for college football yesterday and, and NFL football in general, but uh, still – Still a good day to be a Longhorn, ain't it, Rod? Hey, every day is a good day, good day to be a Longhorn, Coach. Uh, I got one more question before we uh, get out of here, Coach. Before we do that, we'll give some more love to our sponsor. Uh, we are grateful uh, for her as well. Football Theory brought to you by Laura Baker, the accomplished Austin realtor. Uh, Laura and the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams can handle all of your real estate needs in the Austin area. Laura is not only a diehard Longhorn fan, but a longtime Austin real estate expert. Give her a shout at 512-784-0505. That's 512-784-0505. All right, last question, Coach. What's more impressive, being uh, Nick? What Nick Saban's done as the goat at the college level, what Bill Belichick's done as the goat at the NFL level, or what Pete Carroll did as potentially one of the crossover goats at winning a national title or multiple national titles? And man, he was one yard away from winning two Super Bowls. One. Think about how good. Think about how different his legacy would be if they had beaten Texas, which they didn't do. They came close, and he had handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. Pete Carroll yeah. would be your GOAT, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He would have the greatest yeah. resume in the history of football for a coach. Multiple and consecutive national and titles and NFL Super Bowl titles. Nobody would have been able to, to compete with that, but I digress. Uh, which one's more impressive, Coach? They're, they're all impressive. As you said, that. The, the, the three of them all have something that distinguishes them, one in pros, one in the NFL, one in college, and one in both. And I think they were all the best at at the, at that particular, you know, I, I don't know if there's ever been a better college coach, of course, than Nick Saban. Not a better pro coach, probably. Yeah, I, I'd say Belichick. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, he, yeah he's a GOAT. But like you said, and, and then to have one who's who's crossed over and had success at both at both sides, maybe not quite, but but like you're talking about, it's just a fumble away or a handoff away or something 
you know, just keeping him uh, from, but, but it still doesn't change who he is and the job that he did. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with Nick Saban. I think, Nick, yeah. I think Nick Saban, I think Nick Saban is all, all, all around because, you know, in, in the NFL, you, uh, you don't have to recruit. You can just, you just draft them and just hope your owner gives you the money to pay them. Nick Saban had to recruit all those dudes. You know, he had to, he had to go out on the road and recruiting while Belichick was fishing or doing whatever he was doing in the offseason. He wasn't worried about signing players as much as, but, but what Nick Saban did year in and year out to get that thing to the level and to keep it there. It's one thing to get it to that level. But as we saw from 2005 <coughs> through 2000, 2005, 2006, I mean, and then Mac is able to keep it. And then, you know, from 2009 to 2010 and 11 and 12, it, it's hard. It's really hard to keep it at that level. Yeah. And Nick did it. And uh, so I would say, I would say, I would say Nick followed by Belichick and, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with anybody that wanted to change the order of that. Yeah. What do I'll, you think? I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with a wild card. I'm going to say Pete Carroll. I want to say being able to win consecutive championships at the college level and then just go to the NFL. And you know, coach, those are different locker rooms, man. Very different locker rooms. These are grown men as opposed to young men. And they're almost two different sports when you look at talent acquisition. Like you talked about recruiting. Hell, that's a whole other job in itself that coaches you that you have to do that you don't have to do in the NFL. Uh, I want to say Pete Carroll to switch it up like that, to be able to just go and, and, and do it at an elite level. And now look at Russell Wilson. Turns out Russell Wilson may not have been as great as we all thought. And he was doing. Yeah. He was winning. He was winning the Super Bowl with him. Super Bowl, yeah. Man, yeah. I, I'm going. I might go wild card and go Pete Carroll on him because that was tough to do, man. Both both levels to be elite at both levels like that. Jimmy Johnson done it. I know Barry Switzer kind of did it, but he didn't build it. Pete Carroll built it, like Jimmy yeah, did. He, he did. built. He built it at both levels to build it at both levels like that. I'm gonna say Pete Carroll. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna give Pete Carroll some love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I can't argue with you. I can't argue with you there for sure. He he definitely was able to adapt. Although that that SC uh, culture and locker room was a lot like an NFL at that time. You know, <laughs> it it, re it really was. I mean, yeah, you're it, right. It was, oh, I'm telling you. It, yeah. Are you yeah right? But but what what a lot of people don't realize the difference in college and the NFL is in the NFL. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of facilities you have. It don't matter if the players like you or not. It, it really doesn't. In college, you have to have great facilities and you have to have the team on your side or especially nowadays, or, you know, they hit, they hit the portal. In the NFL, you're getting paid lots of money to put up with whatever you got to put up with. Well, I, I know with Jordan was with the Bengals. I didn't have an indoor facility. But what y'all do when it's, it's 10 degrees, Dad, we're going outside. That's just what we do. Mm -hmm. They don't. They didn't invest any money in facilities, and and so that's the thing that you know one of the reasons that I went with Saban because it's you have to recruit those players, then you've got to keep them, which is sometimes as hard as recruiting them, and and still uh, culture is so big, and you 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 have to have a relationship with your players, and uh, in the NFL, as you know, 
you don't have that relationship. When you want to practice over with, everybody goes home. You know, mm -hmm. you don't go to the dorm. You don't hang out. You don't build up, you know, build that team. It's, it's everybody's got to be mature enough to know, you know, they're getting paid to do this. And in college, it's about relationships. So, and, 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 and that's right. Pete Carroll was able to, to do it at both levels. But uh, I just think what Nick did was oh, was yeah. just, uh, I mean, res uh, res respect, hats off to all three of those guys. Yeah, it'll never happen again. I don't know if it'll happen again on for either of those guys. Maybe somebody, Jim Harbaugh, I will say, is trying, though. He's trying to be the crossover. He's trying to go to the league, get him in a Super Bowl, and become one of them other guys. And honestly, he, he could do it. He's, he's a good ball coach. Uh, well, right, yeah, I, 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 let's win a couple more championships before we – Boy, put him in there, you know. That's true. You know, but, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I agree with the saying like if you win at both, you win at the college and the pro level, that's still win a championship at both. That's only been done by three guys. And I don't yeah. give Barry Smith a lot of credit for building it. He just yeah. kind of yeah. rolled. He, he, rolled. He, he did. Yeah, he, he did. did. <laughs> he rolled on Jimmy's, you know, on Jimmy's accomplishments. But hey, man, that's the three. So uh all right, coach. Hey, coach, I appreciate your insight as always. You're fantastic. Uh, thanks for all the knowledge. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. For all those listening, thank you guys for joining us on another edition of Football Theory. And until next time, hook them. Hook them, baby. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.